You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. And welcome to the show. Stuart Goldsmith here. And today I am very pleased to be speaking to Jenny Bede, fabulous musical theatre comedian slash musical comedian. What do those things mean? What are those? What's the difference between those things we're about to find out? Um, and my one time wrestling partner as well. I look back very fondly at those times. I think we start off talking about it in this episode. Uh, Jenny is doing a fantastic show at the Edinburgh Festival uh, called The First Pregnant Woman in the World. And uh, she's bringing it to the underbelly in Bristow Square. I think it's on at 6.55 nightly. You can find everything about it that you need to do by looking in the show notes from here, going to jennybead.co.uk, following her on the socials, at jennybead on various things, uh, and or just typing her into Google or the Edinburgh Fringe website. Um, By the time this comes out, I think the festival starts today. So get on it quick. Uh, You can come and see me uh, doing a shared illusion just for a week from the 4th to the 11th Monkey Barrel at lunchtime. But now, without further ado, no extras on this one. We just talked each other's heads off for about an hour and 15 and you've got the lot. This is Jenny Bede. Hello! Hello Hi, Jenny Bede! I'm so, so excited to see you because you're my old wrestling buddy. I know, we I know. Are, I feel like we share something very special because We of are that. bonded forever through yeah. having done the wrestling together. Genuinely. And I don't think I've ever talked about, I don't think I've talked about it on this because why would it come oh, really? up? But what a special time. That was still one of the best days of my life, I'd say. Like, I've never known an adrenaline like that. It's so different to gigging adrenaline, isn't yes. it? It was it was insane. Yes. You had done some wrestling, though, hadn't you? No, I don't think I'd done any wrestling. I'd done gymnastics. a bit of... Gymnastics. Say that again? Was it gymnastics you did? Oh, well, okay, so what happened at the wrestling? And I, I might have to take this bit out, because I don't want anyone yeah. to know this. But they very kindly gave me, Max gave me this move to do in which I grabbed onto someone's hand and the ropes and then bounced and flipped over. I remember it. And I I loved that move. It was simple to do. It looked fantastic. But after the wrestling, people like three or four people came up to me that night and went, you were backflipping all over the place. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, that's the magic of wrestling. Everyone thought I was backflipping all over the place. I did one move holding onto the rope. I did what, you know what I mean? I did some other bits and bobs, but that was like, I did a a sort of a, a front flip, but it, it was really easy. And oh, everyone wow. was like, whoa, you were backflipping everyone. I'm like, yeah, baby, yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think, the coolest I've ever feel, felt and the coolest I'll ever feel that day. Yes. Well, that is a classic uh, comedian <laughs> way to think about things, isn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah. never, life will never be that good again. <laughs> I've peaked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great. It's really great to see you. And you, you are too, in a you. something I've noticed um, uh that might prove a good jumping off point because you're yeah. on your way to Edinburgh with the show with the faster. Tell me the title because I don't want to mess it up because it's brilliant. It's uh, The First Pregnant Woman in the World. Mwah, absolutely great. Love <laughs> oh, a title that is a laugh you. out loud funny title. Oh, good. But thanks. I did see on your um, 
uh, on your Instagram feed that you were putting up the promo for it and people were congratulating you on being pregnant. <laughs> and you had to say, yeah. the child is one years old. This is a show yeah. that would have come out pregnant. Yeah. And also, have you met me? Of course I would not do an, a maternity shoot announcing my pregnancy. <laughs> well, you say, say what you like. You have done a maternity shoot. Yeah, that's It's true. just not announcing your pregnancy. So tell us, tell yeah. us about... Let's start with the show and Edinburgh as coming and tell us where, where the show, was it like, yeah, you tell us where in the life of your show it is. Is that a normal amount of time that you go, the baby is one, I will now do the pregnancy show. That seems <laughs> yeah, unusual. Possibly. I mean, it's funny. So when I was, I was pregnant during the lockdown, so there were no Edinburgh's, I don't think yeah. at the time. Uh, but I was like writing stuff down. Um, but also I think, I don't know, as a comedian, you just feel like at some point you're running out of stuff to say, don't you? So when something big happens in your life, you're like, Oh, this is a show. And this is, this is where I think some of the, the title comes from. You know, it is the biggest, biggest thing that's ever happened to me. But because pregnancy is so common, it's like, no big deal. No big yes. deal. You're not supposed to like be hung up on it or still be talking about it. Or, you know, it's, it's just not that interesting to so many people. But to me, I'm like, why aren't we all talking about this all the time? This is yes. insane. I can't believe this is happening to everyone. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's supposed to be very self-aware and playful. Um, but it's also, I guess, in a way, saying upfront, this is what the show is. If you're not going to like hearing about this, <laughs> do not come. It's the title does all of those things. I think brilliant. Right. Yes. Oh, because of course, I mean, that's, you've articulated that in a really fun way, in a very honest way. It's the biggest thing that's ever happened to yeah. you. Of course it is. Yeah. It, but you become a whole new person. And like, certainly this, this word that I had not heard of even since after I had the baby and Ellie Taylor told me about this word called matrescence, which mm. is the word which it's, it's the changing of you become, it's kind of like puberty, but it's becoming a mother. And that is the biggest change I've ever known. And I can't see that I'll ever have anything as big as that again. And no one tells you about it. No one warns you about it. They warn you about things like, Oh, you're going to have a lot of nappies to change and, you know, careful with sleeping. No one tells you, you know, internally how life will never be the same again as you know it. And I mean, you're a parent, you understand yes. that, surely. Yes. Oh, I, yes. I can't write about anything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think exactly. the way I described it, I've never heard that word matrescence. That's, that's, mm. I'm, that, I'm sure that's exactly right. I'm sure there's a sort of a, a dad version as well. Yeah. The way I would describe it to people is that, like uh, of the things I would say about it at the time, it's like there, there used to be, there's an obscure x-men bad guy called nitro and his yeah. power is he explodes and then reassembles his molecules back together and i was like oh it's like that the yeah. you explode and then have been about two years where, where how old's your child she's 15 months right so any month now <laughs> you will start to reassemble yourself but different you will you'll That's... go oh i'm me again yeah and then you'll go oh but i'm not me anymore but i am me and i, I think that was my that was my That's... pathetic X-Men inspired attempt to get to the concept of matrix. No, I think that's actually a really smart way of doing it. And funnily enough, I remember my partner. So my partner, we, 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 it was during the pandemic. So we had to go home like an hour or two after the baby was born and could only come in for a few hours a day. Oh, so that was sort of hell for everyone, especially because we were in for a while. Um, and I remember afterwards he was, he said that about his heart. He's like, I feel like my heart's being blown into pieces yeah. and it's being put back together. But completely like changed forever. Each bit of that heart has got that little shiny baby bit on it now. That's yeah. you know, and maybe maybe he just didn't want to tell me he was using the nitro analogy. Well, um, well, maybe maybe. But I think and I think it is. Um, oh man, I, I don't want this to turn into a parenting podcast because sorry, can, no, so no, 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 could, no, 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 not at all, not at all. What I'm saying is I'm saying that out loud about myself because mm. I could literally talk to you about parenthood for <laughs> the entire yeah. time. And the thing is, what we found is that uh, our, our children are. So 
six and a half and th- uh, six and three and a half. Right. And um, and I have just started to feel like I'm coming out of the tunnel. So wow. good luck out there. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. But you know what? It was the first the first thing I did that made me feel like me. After so, I had her in March, and then at the beginning of October, I. Uh, did a new material gig for Ed who was doing was working up his tour and I had 20 minutes and, and I did just brand new 20 which, minutes about which Ed? Who is it? oh sorry Ed Gamble Ed Gamble got you yeah um I know I did his night at, you, I've heard him. him I've heard him <laughs> familiar with um he did and it was at a metal club in Camden and I remember I was I turned up being like and I'd bear it in mind I'd already ca- I'd supposed to do his gig in July and it was that I don't know if you remember it was a day that there was like heavy rain my partner was away working I put the baby into the car with me in this mad rain my sister was going to meet me at the gig and I started driving in this torrential rain with the baby in the back who's like a couple of months I'm like what the fuck what am I doing no went home started again in October um and I did 20 minutes of brand new stuff to, you know, a metal crowd. I was like, they don't give a shit about what, you know, my birth and things like that. But it was the first time I was like, oh my God, I feel like the old me again. Like just sort of playing with the crowd and suddenly not giving a shit really, even though I was very nervous and I did care. Sort of, you know, the stakes are suddenly so much lower. Um, and it was the first, and I remember getting home and I was like, oh, okay, I'm in there somewhere. It's just going to take a while to come back. Yes. Yes. And I didn't, I didn't think that, that stand up was the thing that did that for me, to be honest, until maybe then. Okay. Talk to me about that. Why didn't you think, what, what is the thing that does that for you? Is it the yeah. music? Or... I don't know. This is the problem. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, come on. Right. Go on. Let's, <laughs> let's get into this. Oh God. We've gone so deep so quick. I don't know. This is, I think my, my biggest problem with who I am as a comedian, as a performer, uh, as, as a profession, as, as anything outside now, you know, my personal life. There are so many things that I do and I want to do and I don't know which I can never pinpoint. This is the one. This is, this is, this is my best thing. And because of that, I feel like I've been almost held back because of it, because I have been so all over the place. Oh, this is an inverse triple threat. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Finally, someone said it. <laughs> yes. But if you're really good at all sorts of different types of performing, which one do you pick? And then do you? Like if like you know if you're only good at stand up if you're only good at songs you become a singer great you haven't got stand up worrying yeah. you in the background or vice versa yeah I mean that's a very nice way of putting it I would say sort of like jack of all trades master of none but yeah. you know to an extent there is that thing of people like to be to put you in a bit of a pigeonhole in this and also it's just clarity so you know where to go you know so some of my best friends have like so like Susie Ruffle. My, one of my best friends in the world and she is so stand up stand up stand up and she's yep. so brilliant at it and and so her climb it makes you know she's been able to just channel it all knowing what it is that she loves knowing what it is that she's good at whereas I'm like oh but I also like singing my songs and I like writing for you know I like writing scripts and you know there's all these different things yeah. so I feel perpetually not not being the best at anything because of because of that <laughs> yeah fuck it triple threatness um no i feel like i can't call myself a triple threat that's too that's no, no, too no, big i mentioned it i raised it and also you do uh, call yourself it in a blurb in a in an edinburgh show do from I? years ago oh, yeah, but i think the third it. thing i mentioned was <laughs> oh was right <laughs> singer comic fast typist yeah fair fair okay <laughs> um I forgot I did that because I've got I've been playing with a new joke in my show that's just about you know I didn't care what what sex baby I had I just needed her to be a triple threat. Yeah, um, right. We should say for people. I mean, it's a it's quite a sort of a 
uh, th- uh, uh, what yeah. kind of a term is it? I was going to say theatre school, West End, mm. Wendy. What kind of a term is it? It's, it's like quite, an Italian I'd Conte say it's term. musical theatre thing, yeah, so it's right. like singing, acting, dancing, I guess. Gotcha. So it actually, it's, in the, a lot of ways, nothing to do with comedy. Yes, but it, but a threat. Uh, the threat being you're a threat to other people in the audition room because you're the one that can do everything. Yeah, is that, that's yeah. what I understand. It yes, gotcha. which I never was, even when I did musical theatre. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it triple threats. You know them when you see them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But yes. yeah, so and any actor who had the temerity to have spent twenty years playing the trumpet, like how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> no, because that skill? doesn't count. Actually, oh, actual musical talent sometimes. Well, I think that singing does in musical theatre, but actually, if you can play an instrument, that's less. It's more about getting your leg to to hit the ceiling. That's that's the hardest of the triple threats. I think. Is it? I think so. I think that's what it's deemed to be anyway. I think you know, oh, it's there's probably an argument. the one that's least quickly fixable. Exactly, it's the one that you've that. had. Yes, yes, because you need the years and years of of having those joints and you know those hips and everything change and being hit forever. With sticks at drama school yeah. and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. Whereas technically, inverted commas, anyone can act. Yes. Sure. Do we need those inverted commas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but that's what makes me not that popular. Because that's the other thing. I, I acted for a long time as well. So, yes. um, yeah, but I, I would say I when I'm around actors, I say I'm a comic. When I'm around comics, I say I'm an actor. Yeah, nice. Nice. I think, well, you know, I mean, I think that's... Um, why, do you, why do you say that? What are you, um, what are you protecting? Oh, it's, def- it's some sort of imposter syndrome, isn't it? It's like this fear of being like... Well, do you know what? It's funny, actually. I did a gig not that long ago and someone bowled in very straight away being like, I can't remember what it was. There was like a good sound system or something. And they're like, oh, what do we need this for? It's not like any of us are singer songwriters. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm a musical comedian. And he was like, of course you are. And I was just like, right. There is still, I think, from being a musical comic, there is still that feeling of you're not a proper comic. Oh yes, it's cheating somehow. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. Not, I don't think that, but I uh, know. But yeah. I think that that's the that's the idea, isn't it? And in an industry yeah. kind of riven by self doubt, any any exactly. suggestion that one might not be proper that's exactly. a huge case of imposter syndrome, which is yeah. probably which is itself the imposter syndrome is probably why that uh, concept exists because. People who can only do stand-up probably feel like imposters because they can't do other stuff, and that's yeah. what they mean about guitarists or singers. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it all, it all comes morass. from a massive place of insecurity for everyone. Um, but yeah, no one—I think no one's ever happy with their lot, are they? But you have so you have demonstrable skill as well as being a very funny comic. You are also a Thank writer you. of funny songs, and you Thank deliver you. them really well. Which to music, which. I had assumed was written by you as well, and I see there is a piano behind you. So being a like, it's a prop, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually a keyboard if I wanted. But, um, yeah. but do you write the music for the songs as well? I don't write the music. I okay. write the. I will. So I will go in. I work with a guy called Kevin Frost, who is Boy George's musical director. Oh so he's and he's amazing. I've been working with him for ten years, and he's very very funny himself. And we've just got a shorthand. So I will. I will write the lyrics to something. And often I'll go in with like an idea of a melody for what I want the song to do. And I'll go in and I'll say, I want the song to be in this sort of style. And he'll go, what about this? Give me some chords. And I go, yes. And then together we kind of make it, we uh, we build it over that. God. And he, I didn't even he's know like that a was genius. a thing. Is that how, I don't know anything about music and songwriting. Oh, right. That sounds incredible. What a great... Yeah. Like to, to go, it's sort of, I want it to do this. And they go, what, like this? And you go, yes, yes that's our thing. He's a magician. Yeah. I remember in the very first show I did in 2015, I did a, a sort of show. Uh, it was about sort of 
it's about feminism and hip hop and like trying to sort of make those two meet in my head, I guess. But it was also very much like my first show. Um, and I did, and I was very into Drake at the time. And I remember I went to Kevin. I was like, Kev, I need a Drake song. He's like, who's this Drake chap? And I was like, oh, bloody hell. So I played him a couple of songs and suddenly he plays some piano. I'm like, that could have been a Drake track. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's, he's okay. brilliant at what he does. Okay. So you, but you're, you're kind of like from the show of yours that I've seen, mm. you, um, which was Jenny B, the musical. Right. Yes. Um, which is, uh, a, to what extent is that kind of typical of your oeuvre? Do you know what I mean? This is like, it's an hour and it's mostly songs and there's stand-up in between. I say it's mostly songs. There's good stand-up in between them, but it's it's not stand-up and a couple of songs. Yeah. It's songs and stand-up around them. So that was the first time I was like, do you know what? I'm going to try and own this. I, the, the, like, I think for a long time I was like, oh, I should do fewer songs and really work on the stand-up. Oh, okay. And then suddenly I was like, wait a minute, what's the bit that... If I... <sighs> I back myself as a songwriter, as, as a, as a comedy songwriter. I do. That's the one thing that, you know, amongst all the things I'm not sure about, I know I can write funny songs. Um, yes. sorry if that sounds cocky. It, no, not, not at all. No, no, no. I'm agreeing with you. And I'm just, I'm, I, my assumption is that, uh, of the people who do comedy songs, I guess. I'm not an expert in this at all, but I guess quite a lot of them are existing songs with the words changed. So they're not really writing the songs. Yeah, which I used to do when I first started out. I did a bit of that. Parody is a very easy way in. Um, and it's certainly where I started. And then you go, actually, I want to, you know, do something else. No hate to people that still do it. In fact, I did do one in my last show. Um, because yeah. it is fun and it's really fucking easy. Um, yeah, okay. But yeah, I will, I can't remember where I started with this. I was saying why I thought I was a good songwriter. Um, oh yeah, that's it. So I was like, so that's, if that's the bit that I'm good at, why don't I go to town on that? Why don't I also, instead of shying away from the fact that I'm musical theatre trained, classically trained, you know, why don't I sort of have fun with it? And also, you know, it came, it did come from a place of, I was really into, I suddenly being like, why don't I, why don't I try and play on the things that makes me different instead of, instead of, you know, trying to do what everyone else does. Isn't that nuts? That's a perennial problem yeah. for creative people, yeah. you know, specifically comics actors or, or anyone. Yeah. You go, well, I've got all this special stuff, but I better not. Exactly. How can I be like everyone else? Yeah. So this is Jenny Bede, a joy, a joy to talk to. I'm so sad that I had to edit out the bit uh, towards the end of this episode where her young child wandered into the room and started chatting, or making noises at least. It was very lovely to see and to hear, but uh, not for the likes of you. Now, as I mentioned before, Jenny's show and information about it can be found at jennybead.co.uk or jump on the Edinburgh Fringe website. It's the first official day of the Fringe if we manage to get this one out on that Thursday night, the 4th. Um, and I've every confidence that Nathan's done so, despite it currently being a week ahead. We're one ahead. We finally achieved it. We've been one ahead for the last six weeks. And I tell you what, me and Nathan are frequently high-fiving each other at all of the celebrity comedy industry parties that we attend together. So uh, more from Jenny in just a second uh, remember if you're at the festival treat yourself kindly and what better way to do that than by going to see jenny in the first pregnant woman in the world at 655 in the underbelly bristow square or indeed myself at 125 daily but only from the 4th to the 11th if you're listening if you were so busy at the edinburgh festival that you failed to get round to this until the 12th then i've got sour news for you jack uh, i'm no longer there but i hope that everyone uh, is enjoying themselves as much as they possibly can. There's so many fun things happening. I'm absolutely gutted that I can't attend the wrestling this year. I've briefly considered travelling up just for that 
event, but I can't quite square the kind of climate transport issues. But there we are. Um, More on that afterwards. I'll chat to you um, with some further reflections on the Edinburgh Festival at the end of this episode. You can support this podcast by going to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to support the pod with whatever monthly donation you deem appropriate. Everybody gets the same stuff, whether you're paying £2 a month or £10 a month, or even more, as people very occasionally do. You can set the monthly donation yourself and everyone gets the same stuff. So that's all at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. I hope to see you at Edinburgh. If you come up to the shows, come and say hello afterwards. I'm doing bits and bobs. I'm running around. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you very quickly some of the bits and bobs and things that I'm doing. If I can see them fast enough, I'm doing Laugh Train Home. I'm doing a little set there. I'm doing comedy for kids on Friday the 5th. Uh, and I'm doing The Stand. I'm doing The Stand. I'm opening the late show in The Stand on Friday the 5th as well. That's a busy day. I'm doing a set at the South Cider for Tom Little on Saturday the 6th. I'm doing a set at Liars and Clowns uh, on the Saturday as well. And uh, then I'm emceeing the Monkey Barrel Late Show on Sunday the 7th. And then I think I drew a line under it and said, I'm not going to do any more because I'm going to be running around the place uh, seeing as many things as I possibly can. Now, I did a little micro episode where I'll be uh, telling you, giving you some recommendations and what have you. People that I'm keen to see. I'm trying to sort of fill in some of the gaps in the archive of this podcast by running around madly watching lots of brilliant comedians. I hope you are too. Uh, let's, Let's just assume, let's take that as a given and get back to the brilliant and very funny Jenny B. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. How does your um, psychology personally kind of play into that? Are you, is, is that because it's a means of sort of protecting yourself and I say that like because it is for me yeah it always has been for me I've, I've, I think I've been I have in the past barked up the wrong tree stand-up wise right. and whenever I did I think now it would have been because I needed to feel safe I would have an idea this is the classic thing most comics do you start off with an idea of what a comedian is yes. and you do an impression of that yes yeah and for, for different reasons and I think for me it was so that I would be safe that's interesting maybe it is a so safety is there, thing is there a similar you know what's your what's your kind of um I think it, What's your apprehension of it all? How do you apprehend comedy and your role in it? Do you, like you mentioned imposter syndrome before, yeah, do you feel like I think that plays you're playing catch up within it? Totally. And I think, you know, I I feel like with, with comedy, with I suppose everyone feels this, but unless, you know, you don't get formal training in it. So a bit of me is like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. So this is just me having a go and going along and sort of trying it out as I go. And I feel like there's some people that went to stand-up school and and they graduated from Sandlot School and now and they know how to do it. Whereas I feel like I'm still piecing it together. And I think, you know, in my head, I'm still very much like I didn't go to university. I didn't, you know, I didn't do a lot of things that make me think that I should have, you know, I didn't do I didn't do the open mic circuit for a long time. I, you know, okay. really, when I started, I didn't. I feel like maybe I didn't, you know, I don't know. People talk about like earning their stripes. And I think maybe because I. I started working and getting some opportunities off the back of some acting stuff or some online stuff that I did. I thought maybe I cheated that way. And so I got into my head about things like that. 
Um, but yeah, it's I, so I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Am I what okay. the fifteenth comic to tell you this this week? Or? Um, uh, no, it is a. It seems to be pretty prevalent yeah. in stand-up comedy, um, and I am edging closer to getting a diagnosis myself. Interesting, and it makes sense of a lot of things. Yeah. But then it's also, as I'm sure you know, very very seductive to think, oh, wouldn't it be great if yeah. if all of the terrible decisions I've made weren't my fault somehow, <laughs> or you know, all of yeah. all of the behaviours that people find most exhausting? Wouldn't yeah. that be great if I could lay it at the door of, of somewhere? Yeah. So no, I mean, that's my end of it. Yeah. Tell me about what it means to you and how it plays into your... How it plays into, I think, comedy is this feeling of, I've got this feeling of, like, I've never quite achieved. I've been at the the, uh, the precipice of nearly doing some really cool stuff and then never quite getting over it. And, and uh, you know, the sort of sort of having having opportunities that I don't fully make the most of and I think that's where it comes into play because and again that's come from because I've had I've gone oh well I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and and I start things and I just forget to finish them you know I don't have that tunnel vision of like I, to get you know if I want to do that then I've got to finish this it's just chaos all the time in my head so I think that is apparently it's quite a common thing particularly ADHD in women you feel like that you haven't fulfilled your potential um, and I, th- <laughs> that's my excuse anyway, because it's not, because it's not, you know, I sometimes I'll, I'll kill myself, but I'll be like, come on, you have to work harder, work harder, work harder. It's like, but I am working really hard, just not effectively. So it's, it's this sort of, and I don't know, you listen to, I was listening to the Adam Rowe thing, uh, uh, episode of your show earlier, mm. just because, you know, talking about confidence and things and this sort of single mindedness. I don't know that I can... I will. I would ever be able to, you know. I would say that I, in some ways I've been as ambitious as a lot of people, but it just doesn't come out. Mm. I've got. I've gone on a, on a tangent, probably. But... No, not at all. No, no, no. This is this is all. This is all absolutely good. Com com stuff. Right, this, okay, is, good. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. Let's. I mean, we can certainly. I'm certainly interested in those feelings, which I think a lot of us have. I yeah. Mean, I, it, as it pertains to ADHD or not, yeah. do you have a diagnosis at the moment yes. or is it like you do? Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that it will make, although as, as much as we are slightly abashed to go, oh God, like, like yeah. you said, oh God, I'm the 15th comic. I think it will make a lot of sense in the future. Yeah, definitely. When we look back at it, we'll go, oh, one of the things that people with ADHD do is stand up comedy because yeah. of course we prize novelty and being in a different place every night yeah. with different people and yeah. saying different and things. And working short and bursts. Totally over and above the kind of cloying mm. like concept of imagine going to the same place every day with the same yeah. people and doing a job. Yeah. God no, right? So although that might be a look, you know, it might make a lot of sense to go. Oh yeah, well, of course you would gravitate towards that, yeah. and so would a lot of people. And then we might look at the data and go, Jesus Christ, everyone's got it. Isn't that annoying? <laughs> Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um, but specifically, kind of away from that, because I'm not, an, I'm not sort of an expert in it by any means. But specifically, that notion of not achieving your potential Mm. i think that is a pretty commonly felt i don't know i don't know that i can speak to anyone who would say well the thing about me is i've achieved my full potential (laughs) yeah that's a good point (laughs) so i i um i suppose everyone will have that to an extent yeah well to an extent i'm not trying to talk you out of your diagnosis really (laughs) of course but what, what i mean is i think um i'm interested in the idea that what did you say? A lovely phrase. You said something about like the something chaos of my life or the chaos of my mind. Lots and lots of unfinished projects. Yeah. You're very skilled at lots of stuff. You start lots of things mm. and it's hard. And I mean, we need to accept it is hard to get stuff 
away, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You have done some very successful stuff. I mean, I've, I've, I've come quite late into your work, but like well, 10 or 11 years ago, you were doing YouTube. You started yeah. doing YouTube videos and you had like half a million yeah, views I had on quite one of them. Yeah, a lot of views on them. Yeah. But that was like 2011. So that was, oh God, yeah, over 10 years ago. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I mean, that's the, the punishing YouTube uh, timer that you yeah. can't ever change. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I do not know anything about online now. And that's the other thing. Like, you know, you get all these people doing like great stuff online now. And I'm like, no, no idea. It's, uh, that's, I feel like I'm too old for that now. Um, but it's, yeah, I feel like it, I just, I did it at a good time and it, and it certainly opened some doors. Okay. They were massively high. Like, tell me about the kind of back end of those videos because they were crazy high production values. And oh, bless you. That's, you know what I mean? Like, well, they didn't start that way. So again, that was, so that was when I started doing sort of parody stuff. And so I would take songs and change the lyrics. Um, and I would do them in rap, which I don't stand by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I thought I was good at it at the time. And it is a type of, it, it's a, you know, it was still in the music that I enjoyed listening to. So in my head, it was like, fine. Um, and I, yeah. And so because they, because again, I used to turn them out pretty quickly. Um, okay. if it was like off the back of something, um, topical, I guess. Oh, sure. Uh, yes. There was a lot of, there's a lot of kind of reality TV. Yeah. Royal wedding show stuff. stuff. Not really aimed at me, sure. but kind of like I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. going, oh, I can tell that this is about a thing that I don't yeah. know. You know, this has been, okay, so you were chucking them out quite quickly. Yeah. And then, I mean, and they were doing really well for me. And then I got two into my head and I sort of stopped is doing that them. why you stopped? Basically. Talk to me about that. Well, because did... that's what a platform, that's what we're all after, right? The thing yeah, it hits. Yeah, I guess get so. Of... I started, so yeah, I start. I did a couple. I can't even remember the order now. The one that suddenly went really big was the Cheryl Cole one when she got yeah. fired from the X Factor in America because they couldn't understand her accent apparently so I did a version of uh, Walk This Way by Aerosmith and Run the MC but uh, Talk This Way um, yeah. and it went and I got like a £10 wig and I filmed this thing in my parents house and, and it went like huge and I made like this was when like something would get I, I, there was a little article in the sun about me or in the metro or something because like I'd got 30,000 views or something. So like this was early days of stuff. Oh my God. Um, yeah. and then it just went really big and, and then I did a few more and then I just, yeah, I started, and then I remember I wrote one and then I started getting people be like, Oh, I'd love to film one. I think these are great. And so like using friends of friends who like would like shoot music, music videos, which is when they started becoming much better oh, gotcha. production. Okay. I'll start working with my friend Eugene McGee with my friend Dipak Patel who were, who were great at that sort of thing. Um, and God, sorry, I want to go back on that because that sounds so dismissive. They're great at that sort of thing. Who, um, I work with <laughs> people who don't, are great. Don't panic. Yeah. Don't panic. Thank you. It didn't sound dismissive. Okay, good, but... you're, you're criticizing yourself as unnecessary. That's you nice. said nice things about these people. Yeah. But I feel like I like love them to one, but they were like, you know, directors and, and, uh, and editors and people that wanted to do fun stuff who made things look much bigger and, uh, and better. Um, and then I think one, thing I wrote was about it was it was off the back of a Justin Bieber song called Boyfriend and it was this thing about Katy Perry not having a boyfriend was my angle I can't remember what the angle was I just wanted to do something with Katy Perry and I did it and I got my friend Murray bless him who's since done very successful stuff so it doesn't matter I'm sure who spent a lot of time putting this together and I saw it I was like nope tonally all wrong I just was like it's like I'm not being I'm sort of poking fun in a nasty way as opposed to a nice way, or it certainly came okay. across like that. So I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. And then suddenly I think I got into my head like, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, 
it how much of this looks like I'm bitter how much of this looks like I'm I'm not being playful with this and I just stopped being able to do it and I got in my head and every now and then I thought I'd have and then do you know what that also coincided with the time I started doing live stuff so I guess my energies went towards that yeah. but in a way I look now at you know Munya who Munya Chihuahua who does the most incredible okay. topical oh yes I do stuff. yes yes sorry and I look at him churn them out like overnight and he is so brilliant and I'm like yeah that that was something that was really fun I can see why they were successful because people love seeing something they instant you know they instantly understand and you know it's sort of like when everything's part of this zeitgeist you all it's fun because you all sort of feel part of it and it's just like I I did I tried to do a lot of topical stuff on stage and the thing is with topical stuff on stage as opposed to on the internet you have longer to play with it you know, you could still talk about like, I don't know, I could probably still talk about Daniel Radcliffe fucking a horse now and people would kind of remember the reference. Whereas, you know, on online, if it's not that weak, you're like, oh, it's past it. The moment's gone. So I think I get into my head about that as well. Like I'd have an idea and I'm like, no, unless I've acted on it straight away, I can't do it. So I suppose I I started making a lot of rules for myself that I didn't need that I think were all kind of fear based. And suddenly I had some doors open to me and I was like, oh no, I'm going to fuck it. So... I'll just freeze instead. And I think that's that's sort of what happened in some ways. Oh, thanks for telling me that. That's <laughs> like, is that, is that hard to say any of that? Because I feel like... Yeah, a little bit. I guess I don't admit it. Because... Yeah. Because no one likes to admit that they're run by fear, really, do they? But Literally. I think that was a, a huge part of what that was. Yeah. Do you think now that you were being too hard on yourself? Yeah. Or do you think... Yeah. 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 Also, you know, not hard enough in other ways. Like, I think I was, yeah, I think I should have cut myself some slack and realized that you're allowed to get things wrong at the beginning of a career effectively. Mm-hmm. But at the same time now, I, so there's, you know what, fuck it, I'll talk about this it's, uh, as well. I've talked about this on another podcast, but I, um, I played Nicki Minaj in something on television and okay. I should not have done that. The fact that I did that will haunt me for the rest of my life, I think. And so in that respect, I'm like, well, no, this is why you have to watch yourself really carefully because otherwise you'll end up doing things that aren't good choices. So I think yeah. so I think, in some ways I'm like, no, I'm glad I, I towed a line. But in other ways, I'm like, no, I, I could have definitely been ugh, more playful. Also, I think the problem with, you know, at that point, because the production values of these things got really good, you can only call in so many favours, you know. I couldn't go back to then doing it in my bedroom with like just a camcorder facing me and a shit wig. So and and it's probably hard to imagine how much more expensive mm. in 2011 all of the cameras and exactly. green screens and everything that we all take yeah. for granted post pandemic. Yeah. yeah, like now people are amazing. You know, they teach themselves how to edit with a green screen and like a ring light, and they can do so mm. much great stuff. But at the time, I, I just I didn't know where to start with any of that really. So yeah. A lot of factors. I'm, yeah, I think that's really fascinating because you, like, I always think that's interesting when someone gets, like, real kind of movement on something and then stops. And I think that's particularly interesting that you can sort of look back at it now and go, you've got really in your head about that. Mm. I wonder also if there is, I might be wrong, I wonder if there is a mentality that benefits uh certain people who knock out loads of stuff say it's celebrity kind of spoof or whatever yeah. kind of parodying people like you say kind of kind of having a go at people yeah. but in a hopefully in a playful way yeah. there's probably a mentality whereby people have 
a sort of thicker skin for it or a, a certain, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've spoken to people on this podcast who I've said, and you kind of went for them there and you, and they sort of said, yeah, but you know, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And actually, and actually there's sort of people's priorities are different. Certainly now, mm. if you said, well, look, if you're prepared to slightly stick the knife into this person, you can have half a million views yeah. and, and all of the other things now that half a million views on YouTube. It's very early days of YouTube. It only been around for yeah. six years, I think, 2005. Yeah, time. yeah, true. Um, so, so now, like the the whole ecosystem that could grow out of a half million views video yeah. and all the possibilities and everything, that would be very seductive for some people. And as much as I think, oh, you needn't have got in your head. Part of me is like, yep, good for you, standards. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Or like, good, good for you for going, well, something doesn't sit right about Yeah, it. this, I think I'm quite emotionally, like, I'm quite sensitive, I think, to my emotions. If that's, I don't know if that even makes sense. But like, I've always been like, if something doesn't sit right, I'm not good at doing it. I remember walking out an audition once, or I've done this a couple of times. They were doing this new, I can't even remember what the TV show is now called, but it involved doing, um, giving prank calls to people. And I had yeah. to give a prank call. They were like, as part of the audition, they were like, say, we want you to call this hairdresser and we want you to tell them that, um, that the Kardashians is coming to London and we, they want to film in your, in your sure. salon. And I was like, wait, so this is just a nice little independent home, you know, this, this independent run business. And I'm going to get their hopes up about something to try and get a laugh from it. I was like I'm not doing that sorry that I just think that's really mean and I think it's yeah. it, you know there'll be busy people I don't want to waste their time I'm not the person for this job so I've definitely taken myself out of quite a lot of things by being like no it doesn't sit right which again I don't yeah. I don't regret that bit but definitely I think I think sorry I'm just flitting back to why I stopped doing video things there's another couple of reasons I think I started getting meetings with production companies and things that were like, oh, we can do something, we pitch things. So if I was like, don't do this for free anymore, this can be a thing. And then of course it doesn't happen. Whereas I think yes. what's great now about people and the young creators is that they're like, no, the best thing you could do is keep putting it out there. Uh, because, you know, if we know anything about TV companies and, and all the TV industry, nothing works quickly. So yes. don't sit on your material going, oh, we'll do this in this great six part show that's never going to happen. Yes, it's, I mean, it's really funny. Even this moment, this conversation will be like five, ten years from now, it will be a hilariously out of date, trapped in amber <laughs> moment as yeah. we reflect on what yeah. YouTube was like 11 years ago. And so it's been good that people are having the yes. means of production for themselves. Yeah. And in the future, it will be so absurdly obvious or completely yeah. different or, or who knows. But I think that's interesting. I, one of the, one of my assumptions was that you're, that before I knew about the, the, the kind of tonal aspects of it mm. that you found a turn off was that you were sort of too early. Mm. for youtube you're too early for youtube success and that's because now absolutely if you had that stuff you would know and well the game plan is it remains mine i do it all myself and if people want to help they can help yeah if people want to assist and support me but they don't get to i'm not going to sell the thing to them because the thing is my thing we all know that now it's obvious yeah. but back then what it's hard to imagine now what that would have felt like to go hey hey you uh aspiring on newer comedian yeah have a meeting with these people and they're going to talk about yeah. money and wow you in an office exactly. and you're going to go whoa oh, that sounds God. great and then nothing will happen exactly and i did not know that and i was barely a comedian at this point that's the thing i hadn't done any live st i'd done like news review which is what started me doing these videos 
And I, you know, I suddenly signed with Debbie Allen, who like had all these huge comedians. And I, yeah, you know, a month earlier, I was sort of like auditioning, getting sent home after the dance call for Legally Blonde the musical. So like it suddenly was a huge shift and I didn't know what I was doing. And you get really excited and you get ahead of yourself, don't you? And you're like, oh, no, sorry, I'm going to be a star. So, uh, yeah, I won't put this out for free anymore. And then, yeah, you learn. Yeah, you learn quickly. Gosh. Making content yeah. and then refusing to put it out for free. <laughs> I remember, I remember when... Um, back in my street performing days oh, God, when yeah. all of the Canadians had their own websites oh. and we were all like oh come off it mate do you know what I mean it was all like that's a bit keen <laughs> do you know what I mean not going to need absolutely, one of them <laughs> absolutely ludicrous approach to the unknown I think it's very difficult to to maintain and appreciate you know it's a thing that we should all do mm. as we become more advancing in years we should all try and go no no this scary yeah. weird thing that makes me feel uncomfortable yeah. christ better get into yeah, it but we learn drag it, our better... heels and the older you get the more you drag your heels so now like yeah. looking at things like tiktok a few times i've gone should i get a tiktok account i'm like no no of course not that's a ridiculous idea but then i'm like but should i you know like it's it's terrifying and you're like and apparently someone was telling me that works for TikTok, they're desperate for older creators. Uh, <laughs> we're all painful, terrified of Painful it. meeting. <laughs> How you're dare technically you? A, you're technically a geriatric creative now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> geriatric pregnancy, geriatric creative. Yes. Yes, that's... Uh... That's interesting. I do. I mean, I could see you sitting well on TikTok. You can sing and you can do voices and TikTok loves that shit. Yeah, but I just you can't be, be asked That's a TikTok you. triple threat. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so what can you be asked with? Where are you putting your creative energies at the moment? It's the the, the Edinburgh show. Yeah. With a view to, and other stuff, you tell me about other stuff as well. But it's with a view to what? What's the plan for the Edinburgh show? Good question, Stu. I don't know. <laughs> this is, I mean, do you know what? I'll tell you half the reason I've done this Edinburgh show is because... So I had a great year in 2019. The, the show you saw, the musical. Yeah. I had so much fun doing that. Again, because I think for the first time in ages, I was like, I'm doing this on my terms. I'm doing this with, you know, my strengths in... and. I do, you know, so, and actually I wanted to write and I still do and I'm trying to and I've started three and I haven't finished any of them, want to write an actual musical. So I was like, okay, so this, you know, this is a sort of good way into that potentially. Um, and then when everything sort of shut down and then I stopped gigging and then I stopped gigging more because of pregnancy and then having a baby, I think in my head it was like, sort of trying to again finding this going back to finding myself again in a way. God, that sounds wanky. But you know, just, just like I need, my life has been on, including the pregnancy, I guess, my life has been on hold largely for two years. And it's all been about something else and someone else. And I wouldn't, and I don't regret that, but it is massive. You lose yourself and you, you're like, what? Am I ever going to be able to do this again? So I feel like it was kind of, okay, let me do another Edinburgh and see where I stand and then I'll work out what I want to do. And it's interesting because obviously... So now, so when I say I can't be asked for things like TikTok, I think, you know, as a parent, you have less time, don't you? And so you suddenly have to be a lot pickier about what you do do. And yeah, so I feel like, so now I do things either for money or for creative fulfillment and or f I guess a bit of fun. So at the moment, my partner is not working so that I can go to Edinburgh and he's going to be looking after the baby there up there with me and then he's going to start again when things get quiet I've got stuff lined up for September and then in October he's going to start working again and the thing is I'm not you know I'm not bringing in enough money to sustain us in that time so I, there's this feeling of I've got to make it worth it work worth it I've got to make it you know count so I guess for this I want to just I want to build on the 
I think what it is, is that I started to accept what I was, that I wasn't a, a stand-up and that I wasn't, in some ways I'm not, I don't see myself as a musical comedian. I think because I sort of, I think because the style of music I do is different to typical musical comedy, it feels sometimes a bit other. Um, And I think because I do these massive high production backing tracks, it feels a bit other. And I guess, I guess the people, oh, fuck. We can we can be assured that what we're talking about here when we talk about bad musical comedy is bad musical comedy. Yes. So everyone yes. knows what bad musical yeah, comedy yeah. is, and if anyone uh, is offended, then on their behalf, then they're admitting that they do bad musical comedy. <laughs> That's a good. We're point. not talking about musical comedy. Yeah. We're talking about the bad. Musical yeah, comedy. exactly. So, and I think that you know the reputation that it has, and probably why I've been always trying to distance myself from it in a way, which is some internalized you know judgment, but. I I think so. I think because that this was the first time, 2019 was the first time that I've gone, no, this is what I do and it is a bit different and I don't know what to name it, but that's okay. Let's have fun with it. Yeah. People will, you know, enjoy the show and they did. I had, it, it, it went really well. And I think I just want to sort of see if that was a fluke or if actually I can build on this idea of, gotcha. yeah, I, I do... I do some you proper do, stand you up. You do but musical do... theatre comedy or whatever it is. <laughs> well, you yeah, do whatever I don't know it... what it is yet. And I'd love someone yeah. to sort of find a, a, a term for it. But, you know, see if I can build on that and do these big shows and like big, big songs with some big stand up routines. Again, I've, I've gone inverted commas there <laughs> because I guess they're not full routines because when you have songs, so many of the punchlines are in the songs that, you know, a lot of the stuff, it's not proper there's more setup than there is setup punchline setup punchline setup punchline because the joke's all ideally one big punchline so the rhythm's slightly different but yeah i just feel like i want to do this and see what happens and then i'm doing some european dates in september and then i'd like to <laughs> i'd like to write a book about this i felt like when i was when i was pregnant i really was like i i want an, a book that's more honest about pregnancy and so i had been pregnant for about 12 weeks when i started writing notes for a book which is like oh my god <laughs> who do i think i am genuinely the first pregnant woman in the world it's like this is how you do it but it's just it's more like i think there's i think people shy away from telling you what it's really like because if you hear too much you might not do it um yes yes for sure oh no i'd certainly yeah. relate to that where you like you, you're walking, or in my case, I'm walking along next to my visibly pregnant partner. Yeah. And then we would see people who are pushing a pram and they would look at us and, <laughs> and say positive things. And then when we were in their positions, yeah. we're pushing a yeah. buggy and we, and we see people who are visibly pregnant. Yeah. You think to yourself, should I tell them the truth? Yeah. No, I'll say positive things. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? You'll say, you can't possibly say, holy shit. Hang on to your hats. Yeah. This is going to be the hardest thing you're ever going to go through. Yeah. And like, obviously it will come with trigger. Oh God. The other day I was having my hair done and I, um, was in there because I had my color done and it happened for ages. And I was talking to my hairdresser about what a shit show the birth was, which it really was. It was 68 hours long labor. Oh, and it was just like, and it, like I said, it was oh, during God, the pandemic. God. And so it was awful. And I was sitting there and I was talking like all the gross details and I was like, Ugh. and she's like, Oh my God, my friend's just had a baby and she had it within 20 minutes on the floor. Suddenly the hairdresser working next to her is like, guys, can you just bring it in for a bit? Because my pregnant, um, my client is eight months pregnant who was sitting there <laughs> and we didn't notice. And it's like, Oh gosh. And she heard all this awful stuff. And I feel 
so guilty so yes there's a trigger warning. like like you have to want to hear this stuff you're like sure. i'm not going to go up to pregnant people in the street and sort of start ranting about what will happen yeah. to their asshole but you know like it's I, yeah. I think anyway so yeah that's why i thought potentially there was a book around it i don't know but the thing that i've been doing the most in some ways or trying to do the most since 2017 is scripts and I love it. And I actually think that's what I'm best at. So okay. I'm trying to write television scripts now and I've got lots <sighs> in development, but not necessarily being made. Um, okay. okay. So, I so would... how is that? How, how are you applying your ADHD brain to sitting down and writing scripts? Right. Is it firing off loads of ideas, loads of pitches, loads of things, and then struggling to pick on one? Or are there, what are the benefits of the way your brain works? Oh, this is what, so I'd say the benefits are that, so I need deadlines. So basically the best thing about when I get an idea that I back enough and I get excited about enough to write the treatment and send off to people, when I get a production company go, yes, we want to work on you with this. I'm like, great, give me deadlines as much as possible. Tell me when you need something by and I can get that done. It will be at the last minute, but I can get it done. The, the things that I struggle with are, yeah, like I've got a list of 20 ideas that I haven't done enough with. Um, and that's where it, that's where I'm like, oh God, you know, you hear about these writers that are prolific and they just churn stuff out and they're like, no, like, and they can, and they can work really linearly, linear, what's the word I'm looking for? Linearly, linearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of can't do that, which is why it doesn't necessarily suit me in that respect, but it is the thing that I enjoy doing. I said the two things I enjoy doing these days are stand, are performing, are doing stand up on stage and, um, and writing scripts in my pants at home. So <laughs> if though, like, you know, I would be happy just doing those two things forever. Cause I, I really thought I'd give up stand up or I'd do it less because I was like, well, I'm not that good at it. So what's the point? You know, like I'm not making it at this point. I've been in the game long enough and there's lots of young people doing much, much better than me. And, but then I'm like, no, I really like it. So I will keep doing it. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think there are lots of um, phases. I was thinking about this the other day. There's sort of phases that you go through as a comic mm. um, whereby the you're ex- like there's an excited phase and then there's a kind of meeting other excited mm. comics phase and all riffing and uh, not literally riffing but all kind of like bouncing off each other's excitement about god guys we're doing it yeah we're fucking doing it those are some of my happiest memories of the open mic circuit Re- yeah you know, just uh, you're not standing in a circle holding hands <laughs> saying we're all doing it but you, you feel are, like you that are, you know? yeah yeah <laughs> these <laughs> exactly. are days of our lives <laughs> yeah 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 and then there's there's a kind of like um Obviously, there is a sort of a hardening that happens and a, and a kind of a hardening of intention and also a like you stop pinching yourself and not believing this is, oh, my God, is this really my job? Because you're getting on with it being you're getting on with it being your job. And then as one gets older in stand up and having done it now for nearly two decades, I'm sort of going, oh, right. Yeah, there's a sort of a like, obviously, there is a phase of in any comics life people newer than you are going to overtake you yeah. or overtake in inverted, I'm doing inverted commas now. Um, you know, there's a phase whereby you need to adjust to the fact that everyone's trajectory is very, yeah. very different. Yeah. And then there will be other holdout people like you who you think, well, they've been going longer than me. And and I think they're great, but they haven't necessarily made it. Mm. And then suddenly they'll make it. Yeah. And you'll go, all right, I needed that person to <laughs> yeah. not make it, please. Because I was kind of <laughs> sort of tying something onto that. Yeah. Doing, we were talking about, you were talking about performing and saying to yourself, and being in an area of being in a phase where you're saying to yourself, well, look, it's, if it was going to happen, it would have happened. And yeah. then actually there's the solution to that being to go, 
well, sure, whatever it is and whatever yes, happenings yeah. or whatever all these weird arbitrary parameters are yeah. based on other people and what I see around me. And then there's um, the fact that, no, no, I like doing this. Oh, well, you should keep doing yeah. it then because you like it. Yeah. And like I sometimes, I, um, I haven't thought about this for a long time, but I used to have a sort of thought experiment where I would, hmm. if I was feeling blue or envious about comedy, I'd think, well, imagine if I was the only comic in the world. And imagine if no one else had discovered the secret that what you could do is think of some funny things, mm. practice saying them, turn up in a room and get given 200 quid for saying them. Yeah. Would I do it then? <laughs> Fuck yes, yeah. I would. Yeah. So that's all any of us that's are really, really doing. That's a really good point. Then, do you know what I mean? So, so I'm, I, I laud and celebrate that, that impetus to go, well, no, I'm going to do that because I enjoy it. Yeah. And let's face it, everyone is unhappy. Everyone yeah. thinks they could be doing better at what they are. Yeah. And, and even those people who are, the people, not everybody's unhappy. Yeah. Uh, Falafel is very happy. Um, but uh, but the people who are happiest, I think, have an internal quest going on. Yeah. That isn't predicated on kind of outside, like overcoming outside obstacles. Yes. They're just in a race with themselves. Do you know what? That's the, that's something that, again, not to bring everything back to motherhood, but that's something that that's really given me. I feel suddenly for the first, I've spent years being jealous of people's careers and lives because of you know what they have and these amazing things they have and I feel like now because I'm in this unique position where no one else other than me is the mother of my specific daughter I don't want to be anywhere else (laughs) so it's this nice thing of sort of being like you know what in my personal life I'm so happy if that means I'm not getting you know uh, these uh, if, if that means the other side of things I'm not quite where I want to be I'm fine with that like I still have a nice time I still have a really nice life I still earn money doing it I still on the whole have largely lovely gigs you know I've I still uh, do you know what actually I did um so I did Jenny Bid the musical at the Soho theatre in April which is the first time I've done the Soho and it was like a big moment because I was like oh good I want like something I wanted and it I felt like I'd sort of I don't know not arrived but like there was like a feeling of like oh okay I'm proper um and my my director Charlie Dinkin who directed that show she was with me before the first show and she asked me like a bunch of questions about half an hour before going on stage and it was like what are you most proud of name some things you've done that 10 years ago you would be really really impressed to know that you've done you know and all like I'm trying to remember some of the other questions I can't remember they put me in this amazing mindset and they also made you go oh no do you know what? I have achieved I have done amazing things like there's so much that like a younger Jenny would be like really impressed by so but it's so easy to because you're you know because because our peers some of our peers are so successful it's so easy to turn around it's so easy to look up at them instead of turning around and looking at the hill you've climbed up already so I feel like that's that was a really good thing of going no there is there is success here it just you know like you say when is it ever enough I guess um so I feel like it's in a lot of ways it's I feel like I'm at the most at peace with my career at the moment now because I suppose because it's not the only thing in my life where it as as it was for a really long time Yes, yes, absolutely. It is very healthy to have the crushing weight of uh, a baby <laughs> yeah. to deal with the crushing perspective of realizing that what is no longer the picture but the frame. That's quite a <laughs> wow, good thing. Wow, yeah, that's oh, a good way yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't come up with that. I don't know who did. I wrote a show that basically expressed that sentiment. Oh. And like the week before I went out to Edinburgh, someone said, oh, it's like that old saying, you're not the picture, you're the frame. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, I've spent, I've spent a, a, just a year got an extra trying 55 to minutes come now. to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to do a show anymore now. I know that has that. Oh. 
sentence. Yeah, that's um, that's it. But yeah, the you know, so having something else that is more important to you. Yeah. So tell me about your um uh your uh your way into it, and tell me about what it serves for you. Like I, I don't know many people who are kind of. I knew as I was in a drama group when I was a kid, yeah. and uh, I knew lots of people who were kind of excited about musical theatre in a way that, like, I think I don't like musicals. Fair enough. You, you know, I can't get through Moana's soundtrack without crying. Oh, so it, do you know what I mean? So I, I do like musicals, just the right ones sure. that are kind of easy to engage with. Yeah. I find it hard to sit in audiences. So the idea of mm. seeing. Rent, for example, I'm like, oh, but what if I don't like it and I'm trapped there? Yeah. Um, you know, but um, so, so what do you want from those? What excites you about those things as a kid and what brought you on the route that you've been on? Like what drove you to want to do the musical theatre stuff and what drove you to want to step out of that? Yeah. Stand-up? So I think I, oh, I just, I was probably quite an annoying kid. I think, again, looking back, if, you know, I've had ADHD all my life my life it would it, it'd be interesting to know how much of this because of that but I was hugely energetic and really smart actually but I couldn't apply myself and I you know I couldn't I had no interest in a lot of things but singing and 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 stuff like that just seemed really fun and dumb and silly and you're like oh god yeah great so I suppose I don't know if it was just like a sort of childhood hobby that got out of hand but certainly as I as I got older it was the sort of thing that I don't know it's funny actually because I'm not a particularly good singer but I love it I think singing something that's really good for your soul and so and maybe there is a little aspect of being able to do something that not everyone can do a lot of people can but not everyone can um makes you feel like you've got to you've got to not respect it that sounds wanky but like you've got to kind of look after it a bit or you've got to do it like you know people like if god I'm so one of the things I wish I could play the piano better I can play it a teeny tiny bit but barely at all and I wish I could play it and I'm always so impressed with pianists and I'm like you must you know practice 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 you you know and I know that I'm going to push it on my daughter (laughs) like (laughs) because it's like well I can't learn at this point I did try in lockdown and this is too hard um so I feel like I don't know I think music is something that is is it's such an escapist thing and it's so fun and I think okay I think in comedy what I love about music is that it's like I always talk about it like you can kind of it's like getting vegetables into kids food like you can say you can get away with saying in some things and uh, that you that I that maybe I couldn't if I was just saying them mm-hmm. in song okay so I think where where comedy started getting its appeal from a musical theater background is that you would so musical theater auditions were awful you would take you would spend a week getting stuff ready. You would pay a pianist to help you practice your stuff. Um, you would take the day off whatever temping job you were doing at the time. Um, and you would sing 16 bars of a song for them to go, no, thank you. Uh, and like it was over in seconds. And Or they'd do the dance call, which was like, I'm not a dancer. Um, suddenly when, when I started doing comedy and realized you had, so what you're doing, you know, I suppose it's like any acting, you're, you're constantly waiting for these opportunities that come, come along so infrequently and are such, that's such a long shot, but still throwing everything into them because that's all you've got to throw stuff at. Suddenly the idea that you can write and do your own stuff and almost take your career into control, into your own hands and give you that aspect of control was incredibly empowering. It's like, oh, this is what's going to stop me going nuts, actually. And I think it probably did. So I think, 
and some people are great at it. Some people can, you know, do how I think maybe it is, you know, the different mental makeup that they're able to, you know, wait and wait for the auditions and have a nice time doing other stuff in the meantime. But I, I was, I was going mad. So as soon as, as soon as a, the idea of writing my own stuff and, and being able to perform on my own terms whenever I wanted effectively suddenly was like, Oh, this is much better. Why does everyone not know about this? I think that was, I think that was my comedy in, if you yes. see what I mean. Yes. No, definitely. That's a very familiar uh, idea. Yeah. You, 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 you have the, you're in control of it. You've sort of seized it. Yeah. So is that, did that, did you ever experience any kind of nerves transitioning from, I know what the script is. It's someone else's script and someone else's oh, yeah. words to going, Hey, this is you. Yeah. How did you do that? What, what would you say to, what would you say to young Jenny Bede to accelerate the process of recognizing who you are as a, as a comic to getting over those kind of oh, things? Well, I think one of the biggest lessons I would, or one of the things I would say is stop apologizing. Like, because you just, I think early day, you're like basically coming on stage and I, do you know what? Even sometimes look back at some of the some of the performances I've done. I don't that that the recording of what you watched. I look back at that and I go, "You're actually a bit apologetic on stage." I don't like that, and I I think I've come away from that now. But that was only 2019. Um, yeah, basically, I think I used to get on stage, and be like, "I'm so sorry, I'm here. I'll be off soon. Don't worry." And uh, yes, okay. And I think like. God, the biggest thing, the big, one of the biggest lessons is that confidence, it's all about confidence, isn't it? And like, I remember I used to, I learned so much going on tour with Susie Ruffle. Um, I mean, we had the time of our lives as well because we were best mates, but you know, from a sort of professional point of view, watching her confidence on stage, I used to just sort of do an impression of her sometimes to be like, not, like I didn't no, start no, talking in her voice and talking sure, about what sure, it's like sure. to be a working class gay woman. But you know, <laughs> I did, you know, I start, I was like, if I do an impression of, a Susie or as a stand you know a proper stand-up is how I sort of saw it yeah. then I'd get more laughs because you're sort of suddenly it's you know adopting this kind of like swagger almost totally, totally. I think of it as biting down on a gig sometimes yeah, I forget to bite down yes you know you're just yeah. going to get your teeth into them and go right here yeah. we are this is what it is yeah. and they go all right is it fair enough yeah and I think now it changes so that's what you have to do I think before now, naturally, I can, because particularly as well, because, you know, if I've been with a baby all day, those 20 minutes on stage at night, like, oh, I can have fun here. I can, you know, I am naturally more relaxed and naturally more confident. So I don't have to do the impression so much, if you see what I mean. But certainly in the early days, I really did. Well, I, I or I didn't realize how much I had to. So I would get so nervous. I would cancel gigs all the time. I would get absolutely, like, I would look for excuses to cancel gigs all the time. And I was dating a comic at the time. Rob, who we're still really good mates and we still um, bounce ideas off each other all the time. And I remember he'd be like, Jen, you have to, you just have to fucking gig. And I'm like, I can't do it. I feel like I'm going to die. So I would book gigs and I'd cancel them. Yeah. Um, God. And I would say, just do it without the fear of failing, I guess, to young Jenny Bede. But also, you know, now when people say it to me, oh, you're so brave, I can't believe you do stand up. You know, you're like, yeah, it is hard, I guess, because you know you're going to be bad at first. But that's because now m the large majority of my gigs are really fun and good. I can say that. But at the beginning, when you know that maybe nine, nine out of 10, you're going to really struggle. <laughs> I think Rob used to say to me, the first fifth, just uh, the first 50 gigs are going to be bad. And if they're not, okay. that's um, that's a fluke. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say something similar to people. I would say if you're starting, don't worry about the results of the first 50 gigs. Mm, like, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter if they're good. It doesn't matter if they're bad. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just do 50 gigs. Yeah. And then we can have a conversation about what it's like now yeah. to stand up. I'd also you argue know. that actually I was on a couple of back feet in some ways as uh, as when I started, you know, in that one, you're a musical act and in some places musical acts go down really well but in most places they're not expecting you and they go what's this it's just a bit different and secondly I still think at that point it was and still to this extent you're still sometimes on the back foot being a woman like and I'm not going to be like oh poor me because I know I'm a very privileged woman but like you know you've just got a couple of a couple of sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for expectations to try and prove before you even are on the same footing as, say, a male one-liner. ADHD being something of a preoccupation of mine at the moment, mm. and whether I have it or not, I, think you do. I certainly am benefiting a lot. Say again? I said I think you do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I have, I have really noticed in talking to you now, mm. you talk how I talk. Oh, interesting. And... And I was described by a friend of mine recently in an email. Uh, she said, well, that was like standing in front of a confetti cannon. Um, because <laughs> I, I, and I just, I'm excited by lots of yes. ideas, but there are lots of multiple trains of thought happening at yeah. the same time. And I really, it's so funny listening to you talk and going, Oh, wow. You, d- I think I do oh, this not to people, yeah. but I, you know, like, I don't mean to do it to people, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, you're thinking six things at once yeah. and, going, and, and, and also being really careful about, well, I don't want that to come across like that. And mm. there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And I think I do that. Not so much on this show because I try to be quiet and invisible and no. all the rest of it because of the sake of the interview, but certainly in chatting to people, I do speak like that. So oh, interesting. it is a, it is a preoccupation of mine. Whether or not I have it, yeah. and I don't have a diagnosis, but if 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 there are ten basic common brain types, mm. and I've got number six, and a lot of people call that ADHD, whatever, yeah. I'm interested to know how it how it works and what your strategies are, what things you've developed. What are there things you developed over your life to cope with it? Well, no, not really. That's the problem because it's such a new diagnosis. I only got diagnosed a few months ago, and actually, oh, wow. it's okay. only yeah. been something that's got much worse since I had a baby. So apparently, there, there's a hormonal link, which is oh, why wow. things okay. suddenly got really bad. So my partner had a job um, that was filming elsewhere, and so once the baby was a few months, he was up and down, not living here. So I was doing a lot of solo parenting and a lot of sort of, you know, just, I just suddenly stopped being able to function. Like the amount of things you have to think about all the time. I suddenly was like, why can't I do this? And I think I've always been someone that I've always got parking tickets. I've always had speeding fines. I've always, uh, I've, we've got a thing in my relationship where I'm not allowed to press the buttons anymore because um, I will always book things for the wrong days. I will, um, I've spent so much money on things that you can't get back, like flights. I've missed flights and like, you know, I was yes. like, oh, we're going to the cinema. Oh, no, sorry. I booked the wrong day. Uh, we have to see this instead because it's sold out. So many things like that. Um, that there's, there's, sorry, I'm just looking, making sure my dog's okay. It's really hot out there. <laughs> Uh, he is. Um, there's so many things like that that have happened that it's, it's, it's sort of wear your self-esteem a bit because you're just like, oh, I'm just shit at stuff. 
and that's what you sort of start getting and and you know I've always been bad with money and my parents have always been like oh you're bad at that and you're bad at you know and and your friends and your partners are always well I better do that because you know you'll fuck it up effectively yes and pre-diagnosis you felt like you might you must just be not to gender it but like ditzy or you know you know not not good at complicated things like and and I like you know I get so easily distracted at like one of the things that will drive my partner mad is that I will start sentences and I will just flight i've always sort of lived in my brain i also have ocd which i don't talk about um as much or as tall to be honest uh that's for a whole different podcast i think but it does mean that you're i'm constantly preoccupied my brain is constantly doing a whole bunch of like firefighting a lot of the time so that uh, presence as being present is not something that that comes very naturally to me i have to really fight to stay in the room and like you know when you have when i have conversations with people even in meetings that are important i'm having to physically fight to stay listen 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 and it's not because they're boring it's because something's popped into my head so it's oh, exhausting man, all of this oh, is really? very hard <laughs> yeah i mean i've got a post-it note on the fridge that says hydrate the children because i keep ah, forgetting oh, to give man. them water this um, is the thing. I don't, not to the extent that they die no, exactly. but like i just don't think to bring i'm forever when people come around it's a running joke in our house i offer them drinks and i never get around to yes, making them yes when my wife leaves the house mm. when we have to both leave the house rather than wait for me because if we've got five minutes before we leave i will start a 10 minute time Yes. She she now the and I recommend this as a solution. Mm. She with no anger or, or frustration, oh, probably a bit of frustration. <laughs> she says, "I'm leaving the house now," and she leaves the door open and she walks out of the house. And I go, "Fuck! I better come with," and then I come with right. her, and then I'm on time. That's it. So I've, I, I've kind of grown a lot of these strategies over the without course of my life without naming them as, as, without yeah. naming it. We're just going. Well, yeah. I just know that if something comes into my head and I don't immediately make a record yeah. of it and write it down and put a notification on it, yeah. then it may as well never have been sent to me. That's the thing. And I, oh god, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. I think the thing that so I've always been like this, and I think the thing that made me suddenly get very stressed about it all was this feeling like you saying hydrate the kids that's my biggest fear is I lose things and leave things on places all the time I think my biggest fear is leaving my baby on some like on a bus or somewhere or just or my dog now that I've got baby and a dog like one's one's gonna slip surely and so (laughs) one's gonna end up on a bus mate (laughs) yeah exactly you've got to strap yourself to the baby (laughs) (laughs) so I'm living in that constant fear yeah but the baby doesn't have a lead (laughs) exactly (laughs) the baby's not microchipped which actually is something I would like to look into but it is you know it's such a fear suddenly there's the stakes are higher than normal that I feel like there's you know I, I, I you sort of have to be like hyper vigilant to try and not let anything slip through the cracks and that was keeping me up at night I could not not turn my brain off I've always been a bad sleeper anyway and I was like this is mad so um I got yeah I got diagnosed and I got suggested I should take some pills and then they're like you just need to organize a blood test and then we can put you on the pills and then obviously it's taken me three or four months and I still haven't organized the blood test so um I am not on the pills yet but I would like to try them because I think it I think it could help um I mean I've seen enough uh yeah, I don't know if you are familiar with ADHD Twitter or, you know, people go no. so-so Twitter or so-so. Oh, my God. Oh, Christ. And if you're not going on TikTok, stay off TikTok because TikTok will diagnose you with ADHD in seconds. Oh, yeah. I've, looked, I've seen the TikTok ones. Yeah. So the the algorithm of TikTok in particular um, will direct lots of content at you and it will tell you what you're into without you knowing. And then suddenly you'll go, oh, the stuff I'm looking at TikTok is apparently what I'm into. And all of this stuff seems to be directed at people who have ADHD. And you end up going, fuck. <laughs> you know I mean? I've because got ADHD it, it then. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but 
Oh, why did I mention that? Because <laughs> no, this is funny now. If I start <laughs> I my said, this is going to be on. a very hard edit. <laughs> I was thinking we should tidy this in the edit. I think maybe it would be more honest to <laughs> yeah. what we're talking about if we don't tidy it in the edit. But um, uh, so I was mentioning Twitter because the thing I see very often, the algorithm understands me, um, is people going, I started taking the meds for ADHD and the noise in my head stopped. And oh my God, you have been, the rest of you have been living your life like this the whole yes. time. What the fuck? Yeah. Whether or not I have it, and I still can't quite bring myself to accept or admit that I have. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'm wrong still. Maybe I'm just scatty. Um, the thing that is so seductive is the idea of like, you take a pill yeah. and the way you think changes. You become a different person suddenly. You become Whoa. a productive person. Yeah. That right? is, that's what I am hoping will happen. And everyone's like, it's not, you know, it's not a cure, but it is like... God, wouldn't it be great for when, you know, you've got a deadline coming or when, when you're desperately trying to do, and you know, when you've got that sort of feeling of self-loathing because you know you need to do something and you can't bring yourself to do it. Wouldn't it be great to take a pill and you can suddenly do it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap up. We can come and see you at Edinburgh. When and where are you? I am on at the Clover Underbelly. Bristow Square. Oh, the Underbelly Clover in Bristow Square. Yeah. I know it. Yes. Do you? I've nice not room. been there. Nice I've room. heard it's lovely. I'm excited. It's yeah. a 60 seater, I think. I'm on at 6.55 p.m. Um, Does that get you out of bed time? It gets me out of bed time every <laughs> single night. Which... Oh, I'm sorry. It was all they had to offer. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I do wonder if it's going to work. I do wonder if it's going to be me finishing the show at 5 to 8 and running back and her having a later bedtime for the whole month yes. because you know we'll see um but it will be i mean it was certainly be a very different type of edinburgh for me I, i've not done yeah, one yeah. you know like this before um but yeah i you know previews it's i don't know if you're founding this but previews this year there's the numbers are really low and yeah. this weather's not helping so yeah that sold out one that i could have done with you last week yes <laughs> i yes. needed so much oh, um yes. And then you were pulling. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. No, God, no, I'm sorry. How uh, many have you got left? How many previews have I've you got I've only got left? two we're, we're, London we're previews left. We're recording this on the 11th of July. It'll come out in a few weeks. Oh, so right. just before Edinburgh. Oh, okay. So I've got two left at this stage. I'm really hoping to pick up another one at some point. Okay. Um, and so should we come and see you later in the run? Or should we pile in and take advantage of Do you know what I say, pile in? I'm, I'm, I'm at that point. I'm at that point. It's like what we were talking about. It's suddenly, I think the key is suddenly giving less of a shit. And I'm like, do you know what? This is what it is. It's, I'm not a slick, I will never be too slick a comedian. So, you know, it's sort of very much is what it is. And we'll have fun regardless. It just, um, you know, it just might be a bit of, it might not be as smooth as it could be further down the line. But I'd prefer yeah. fun people, particularly if people listening to this are comedy fans, aren't they? So I'd much rather. 100%. So yeah. in that respect, yeah, they're the sort of people I would want at the beginning, to be honest, because then you get the good idea of what works and what doesn't. And yes, you know, yes. if I do actually, and then I need to start taking it more seriously. Uh, and this is the experiment to see whether embracing your musical theatre mm. and not running away and hiding from being a comedian or feeling you have to do it a certain way. Yeah, you did. You did that once. You 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 took the leap, and it was great. And this is the experiment to find out whether that is replicable. Yeah, I think so. so. I'm sure it is. It sounds like it is. Oh, thank you. What time are you on there? Um, one twenty-five p.m. But only from the fourth to the eleventh because it's much harder to take an entire. Months uh, out of your children's lives once they course. are sentient. Of course. Yeah, but it's work uh, in progress this year. So um, oh, hopefully I come out of Edinburgh with next year's show in the bag. That's and then I can the dream, isn't it? Have a life for a year and then uh, oh, enjoy. Be stressing out. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, yeah. I'll see you up there, I hope. Yes. 
thank you so much, Jenny. Thank B. you. It's oh, been really last lovely. question: Are you happy? Yeah, I am actually. I'm really happy. It's uh, like I was saying earlier. I think it's that the, the motherhood thing is it's suddenly given me a confidence and made me go. I don't want to be anywhere else. I don't want to be anyone else. You know, I want to be specifically this person's mother now. So if I was anyone else, I wouldn't be that. Um, so yeah, is that cheesy? Probably. You have officially matressed. <laughs> <laughs> I have. So that was Jenny, a joy to talk to and a very, I mean, such a funny reflection. Like in the, in the, in these interviews, these, in this back catalogue of 400 and Christ knows 11 now, um, I do a lot of listening, as you know, far more listening than I do in my real life. And in my real life, I talk a lot more like Jenny talks. It was just lovely to get that confetti cannon uh, delivery that I'm sometimes accused of um, to, to actually experience someone else doing that. So tremendously fun. Don't forget Jenny's show, The First Pregnant Woman in the World. What a title. Um, it's up there with another favourite from this year, Heidi Reagan, who's a fabulous uh, comic as well. I'm hoping to see her. Um, she is doing a show which I believe is called um, Heidi Reagan gives birth live on stage every night, guaranteed. I can't remember where it is. It's probably at the Pleasance. I think I've seen her there. But have a search for Heidi Reagan as well. She's a long-term pod fan and uh, soon to be a guest, I hope. Um, so, so two very different takes on motherhood and babies there, I assume. I mean, it might just be that Heidi Reagan has got absolutely nothing to do with uh, pregnancy and she's just winding everyone up. That's possible too. But nonetheless, uh, get and see those shows if it's still between the 4th to the 11th of August 2022, come along and see me at the Monkey Barrel and I will see you there and I look forward to seeing you. No postamble this week because this is the last thing I'm doing. No, it's not. It's the last but one thing I'm doing before I get into holiday mode proper for a week before then I bin off my family and, uh, and head north. Um, the very last thing I'll be doing is recording the blurbs for the surprise episode 412 um, which I have just recorded with Bianca Del Rio. Uh, if you're a fan of uh, if you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, or indeed if, if you're a fan of the night I got engaged in San Francisco when me and my wife went along to see a um, it was like a, was it All Stars Battle of the Season, some sort of RuPaul related thing, and Michelle Visage was supposed to host it and she couldn't make it, and Bianca Del Rio hosted it and absolutely tore the roof off. She is an insult comic. She's extraordinarily funny, and I was very lucky to talk to her um, earlier today out of, well, yeah, kind of out of character. She's talking to me as Roy Haylock, um, the person behind uh, Bianca Del Rio, but uh, Roy is not precious at all about when he's Bianca and when he's Roy, and it was it's a really fun, upbeat, really, really fun conversation. So look forward to that. That's a surprise final one before then I have a break for a month and kind of have a summer and relax after Edinburgh and, you know, gently steam somewhere. That's the plan. So look forward to that next week. Uh, check out that micro episode if you've not already. There's some great recommendations on there and I will speak to you soon. Enjoy your summer. If you are at Edinburgh, creating Edinburgh, being part of Edinburgh, associated with it in any way whatsoever, Please relax, enjoy yourself. It's not that important. It's everything and nothing. And that's my timer, so I'm getting out of here. Goodbye forever. Speak soon.